One of the things that stood out to me is that Daniel is the forerunner for the New Testament church. Daniel is the picture of, of, of how God wants us to live now in what we call the church age. See, Israel was never going to be anymore. Israel was no more and was never going to be a kingdom again in a physical nation sense. And this is what God was trying to get through to his people, that forever you are going to be a people who are going to serve the king of kings, but yet still serve a foreign kingdom. You know, wait a minute, I, 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 I'm a citizen of the United States of America. I'm not in a foreign kingdom. Yes, you are. If you believe in Jesus as your personal savior and you are, if you are a part of the church, you are, have citizenship in the kingdom of God and no matter where you live on the face of the, uh, of the earth, it is a foreign kingdom. But that does not mean we do not interact with the foreign kingdom, hence the necessary uh, uh, story of Daniel uh, showing us how we interact with this foreign kingdom in which we live, but yet... But yet we serve the king of kings. And yes, we can do both. In fact, Israel became a country that believed that God would only show up in Israel. And that we could only find God in Israel. And that if we went beyond the borders of Israel, we would not find God. Nor would God care to show up in those areas. Boy, does that ever sound like the church today, right? God only shows up in these walls. And the more times we can come to these four walls, the more times we can see God work. And we would never say this out loud, but does God really care about people outside these four walls? Because, I mean, come on, he only shows up right here, right? Sounds familiar. It is easier to live thinking God only will show up here. It's easier to live that way. It's easier to also live on the flip side, living however we want to. It is difficult, and it causes, it, 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 we have to live a life of struggle, of confusion, not having everything figured out. If we are going to live a life that says, I am going to be a citizen of God's kingdom, but yet serve the kingdom in which I live, the country in which I live, and the people around us in which I live. So how do we live that life? How do we live that life effectively? How do we live that kind of life for the long haul? The story that we look at this morning, Daniel is somewhere in the neighborhood of 75 to 80 years old. Now that is double his life expectancy. So if you're here like, well, that's kind of where I'm headed. If life expectancy today is 80, Daniel's approaching 160. Nobody's there yet. All right, nobody's there yet. Hey, Jack, can you knock that? thermostat down, please. I'm about ready to suffocate up here. So that would be bad. With all the things that have gone wrong this morning, that perhaps might be the top. Or maybe you would think that would be good. Anyway, 
how do we do this for the long haul? Because it's not easy. It's not easy. It's easier to bunker into the church. It's easier to live however we want to live. So how do we do this? How do we manage this? How do we forge this path for the long haul? Daniel chapter 9, starting in verse 1. In the first year, Darius, the son, you can pronounce it just as good as me, by descent of Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books of the number of the years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah, the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Okay, it's convoluted, right? He is reading the books. You could capitalize the B in that books. He is reading the scrolls, the scriptures, what we know of as the Old Testament. He is reading the same book of Jeremiah that we read today. This is 536 BC. And he's reading the same stuff that we read today. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome? If you're a skeptic, that's okay. Like, how does it survive? I'd be more than happy to answer that question afterwards. I'd be more than happy to answer that question. Tomorrow's uh, uh, verses in the reading plan are the verses that I think Daniel is reading here. But he's reading the Bible. He's reading the Bible. How do, we make, how do we do this? How do we live this life as a servant to the king, but yet still serve this foreign land in which we live? The Bible. The Bible. But we have to read it so that it leads us to action. We have to read the Bible in such a way that it leads us to action. We're going to keep reading in just a moment. We see that it leads Daniel to action. But we must read the Bible in such a way that it, that, that, that it leads us to action. Look, you might never hear a pastor say this again. I do not care if you have the books of the Bible memorized. Minor prophets, I get pretty convoluted in those as well, all right? Like, I don't know where Daniel falls. I don't know where Zephaniah falls. I don't know where Zechariah. Like, I don't care if you have the books of the Bible memorized. Let me take this a step further. I don't care if you have a single memory verse in your mind that you can bring up. Because as the Pharisees showed us, they could have the entire Old Testament memorized, but miss Jesus. If you have the entire Bible memorized but miss Jesus, you miss the Bible. Who cares that you got it memorized? If you have the whole Bible memorized but it does not lead to action, who cares? To paraphrase Paul, if you've got the whole Bible memorized but have not love, who cares? Because love is a verb, right? Thank you, DC Talk. Love is a verb. Down with the DC Talk. Love is a verb. Love is action. 
And the Bible leads us to action. And what action is, is infinity life. It is eternal life. It is abundant life. The infinity life that he wants to give us through God's word is the action that, or is what leads us to action. And the infinity life is that, is that, is that, is that movement inside of you. That when you read something, when you hear a sermon, when you show up to small group and, and read the Bible, that action, that, that energy, that, that excitement, that, that drivenness inside of you, that's infinity life trying to lead you to action. John chapter 9, or I'm sorry, John chapter 5, another, another reading plan scripture from this week. Jesus confronts the Pharisees on this. You know the scriptures, but you miss me. So you therefore missed life. You pour over the scriptures to try and find life, but you've missed me in the scriptures. So therefore you have missed life. What do you read? Pick something. We give you a reading plan so that there's at least something for you put before you to be able to read. Pick of the book of the Bible. Read a chapter a day. Read story by story. Like, you know, the stories in, in, in most of our Bibles, you know, they, they're, they're cut off into, into headline sections, right? Read a story. It doesn't matter. But find a life point in that story. Find one life point in that section that you read that will lead you to action. So therefore, this morning, we've already given you a life point with the first two, first two verses of, of, of Daniel chapter 9. The life point is the Bible leads us to action. The Bible leads us to action. Find a simple sentence coming out of what you read to be able to, 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 to sink your teeth into for that day. What's that life point? See, it doesn't matter how much you know right now. Right? This, this kind of comes up. I don't know much, so if I read the Bible. Look, look, look. If you showed up to a doctor's office, you go to their office. First, first time you meet with this doctor, you go to their office, and you walk in, you sit down. Doctor's real nice. He shakes your hand. He, he's, he, he has good, apparently, bedside manner and everything, you know, all that. But there's something missing. There's something that you're just like, I, there's something that seems a little bit off here, a little bit, a little bit just... I don't know what's wrong, but something's wrong. And, and he talks to you about what you've got and this and that and the other and going through some strategies and plans and this, that, and the other. And, and finally it dawns on you. There are no diplomas up on his wall. He gets done. You, uh, do you have any questions? I got one. I got one. Did you just move to this office or do you keep your diplomas in storage or do you keep your diplomas somewhere else? You're like, no, 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 no. When I was 18 or 20, when I decided to become a doctor, I just decided, you know what? I don't know anything right now. So therefore, I'm not going to study. I'm not going to read. What would you do? Tell him to stop smoking crack and leave, Right? The Bible is here to give us infinity life. The Bible is not here to gain knowledge. Is it the truth? Yes. Does it give you knowledge about God? Yes. Only so far as to 
give us a relationship with him so that we can find the abundant life that he wants to give to us. So when we do not engage it, we are not engaging the number one way God gives us life. The number one way that God gives to give us life. We're missing out. We're missing out. Find one thing. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to do that. Find one thing. And guess what? The next time you read it, that one thing could be the same, could be different. Find one thing to chew on. And that leads us to the next thing that gives us the longevity we need. Verse 3. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame. As as at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them, because the treachery of, that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame to our kings, to our princesses and to, princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Daniel read God's word, and it led him to action. What was that action? Prayer. Prayer. See that life point that he got from from God's word? Led him to prayer. Let that life point lead you to prayer. So the life point we just discussed. The Bible leads us to action. God. I so often come to the Bible as a thesaurus or an encyclopedia just trying to gain more knowledge. Let it lead me to action. God, I don't, I don't interact with the Bible at all. Help me. Help me want to. Help me desire. Do you think God might answer that prayer? I think so. Maybe not instantly. Maybe, maybe he wants to see, you know, are you going to work through the dry time to come find me? Let that action lead you to prayer. Let the life point lead you to prayer. For Daniel, that was specifically confession and repentance, asking for forgiveness. See, when he came into, the, into exile into Babylon, he was a teenager. Okay, let's just say he didn't start the fire. But he was going to put it out. He was going to pray to put it out. You notice, we are. He claimed responsibility for the sins that he did not commit. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that anti-American? 
Because we're real quick to go, I didn't start that fire. I'm not going to put it out. I got four boys. They didn't start any fire. You know, that family circus, that family circus cartoon, right? Like, not me, not me, not me, not me. You know, the not me ghost. That's my family, right? That's like every day. Why is this here? I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. That's the American way. I didn't do it. Instead, Daniel goes, we did it. We caused this. We caused this problem. Skipping forward to verse 16, O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Twice in the previous passage we read, he talked about how shame has come upon the people of of Israel, God's people. And now he's talking about we have become a byword, basically a profanity word to all those looking at us as God's people. We have become a, a, a byword, a profanity word to them. Here's the deal. Christians today misunderstand persecution. When those who are non-Christians look at the church and point out how we are sinning inside the church, that's not persecution. That is the first level of God's judgment on his people. He wants his people to recognize, whoa, hey, (laughs) non-Christians recognize better the way that we're supposed to live than we do. We need to ask for forgiveness. We are a byword. We are a profanity word to those who are outside the church looking inside the church. That's a problem. And God wants us to recognize that 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 is the first level of judgment on his people and for us to get down on our knees and pray. Well, I didn't start the fire. Neither did Daniel. So when people who have hung the Ten Commandments up on their walls is alleged to do some pretty disgusting things, we don't stand up and defend that. We get on our knees and ask God for forgiveness because it's becoming a shame on the church. We didn't start the fire. Who cares? Will we put it out? Do we care enough to ask God enough to plead with him to put it out? We are to glorify our father. That is to make him visible. And defending acts that are indefensible is not how we glorify our father. Asking God to give us a heart that bleeds for him is how we glorify our Father. Now, verse 17, Therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to the pleas for mercy and for your own sake, O Lord. Make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate, 
Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. Oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. It's a big deal if we become a byword, a profanity word to the culture around us because we live underneath the branding of Jesus Christ. How do we survive the long haul? Prayer. Reading God's word in such a way that it drives us to our knees and pray. God, I just read this. And this is where I'm not making the cut for your name. Can you change me? Do you think God's going to answer that prayer? Dear God, please make me more into your image. Nope, not going to answer that. Sorry. That's what he's doing right now. I'm going to talk more about prayer in our uh, hangout time, about how we can go from being timid prayers to bold prayers. Daniel was a bold prayer, but he was also humble. He was also humble. We have to be in God's word. We have to lead, let that lead us to gut-wrenching prayers. Now, it's not always going to be fasting a sackcloth and ashes, right? But we have to let it lead there. Lastly, Daniel 9.20, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, an angel whom I had seen in the vision of the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you. For you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. As Daniel was pleading before God, God sent an angel to Daniel to tell him, I hear him. I am answering him. But by the way, the prayers that Daniel's praying, 80 more years before God was going to truly answer the, the prayers. Are you willing to pray for 80 years? Are you willing to pray now for stuff that's going to happen 80 years from now that you'll never see? I hear him, for he is one greatly loved, greatly loved by God. The king of kings loves you. Like, wait, okay, yeah. Of course, he reads the Bible and prays. Of course, God loves him. John 3, 16, if we have one memorized, it's this one, right? For God so loved the world. God's love is pre-salvation. God's love is pre-salvation. God's love 
is pre-salvation. If you are here and you are struggling with the idea of God, if you are here and you say, no, I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ, and you would openly admit it, God still loves you because for God so loved the world. God did not show up to Daniel saying that I love you because he's reading the Bible and because he's praying. He shows up to Daniel to say, I love you because you are a part of my creation, so I love you. We don't pray and read the Bible in order to get God to love us. We do that because he does love us and has given us the gift of praying and reading. When we come to God and his word and prayer, checking off boxes to get God to love us, that's all it is. It's a duty to do. But when... It's because he loves us that we come to him. We want his word and we want prayer to deepen our relationship with him and deepen the life that he wants to give us. But we see from this passage and then two more. The third thing that gets us through the long haul is community. Now with Daniel, God had to get creative because Daniel was the only one in Babylon at this time. I believe his other three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I believe they're dead. I believe Daniel is the only one in Babylon that is a follower of God at this point in time. That's a lonely place to be. And so to build community for Daniel, what did God do? He sent an angel. It's getting a little bit creative, huh? But also in chapter 10, this is a few years later. If you're like, okay, this is one isolated incident. Chapter 10. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. I believe that this is an Old Testament uh, theophany, which is, which is Jesus showing up in the Old Testament. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. Oh, Daniel, man greatly loved by God is understood, right? If it's God himself showing up to say this, that by God is understood. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken the words to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard and I have come because of your words. Same message. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. This would be some, why somebody would say, no, this isn't Jesus. Why would he have to struggle with the prince of Persia? And what on earth is going on here? I didn't research this, to, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I'd be more than willing to sit down and, and hash this out with you and, and figure this out. But sometimes God delays because God delays for our benefit. And to come make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for the days yet to come. If you're not yet convinced, here we go. Verse 15, when he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. Basically, Daniel was fainting at this point in time. He didn't know what to say. He didn't know what, uh, what to do. He didn't know anything. And behold, one of the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Another reason why I believe this is Jesus 
Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly loved. Once, coincidence, twice, eh, three times. Oh, man, greatly loved by God. Fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I've come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. There's a lot going on there, but I want to focus in on this. God loves Daniel. There's no reason why he doesn't love you either. He doesn't, there's no reason why he doesn't love you as well. And he gives us community. He gives us this. He gives us small groups. He gives us other like-minded believers in order to come into relationship with. Why? To remind us that God loves us. Isn't that the easiest thing to forget? To go about our day, forget God loves us. So it doesn't matter what anybody else does. And we need each other to remind us of that. And the second thing community does for us, it reminds us that God loves us and it strengthens us for the journey, just like it did here with Daniel. Strengthen him for the journey ahead. Small group, almost guaranteed. Small group day, that will be the day that your life will be the most chaotic. And you'll want to just sit in your PJs and eat the tub of ice cream. But what do you need? Community. You need God's love and strength to keep going. So you need nothing more. And then get out and go and let people go. God loves you, and he strengthens you. Keep going. Keep moving. Just keep swimming. Just. The king of kings loves you, and he gives you three tools for the journey. His word, prayer, and community all to give you life to keep going. Are you going to use them? Are you going to use them? All of us have at least five Bibles probably sitting around, plus a phone and a tablet that has the Bible on it. All of us have immediate, direct access to the throne of God. And all of us have other people that care and want you to know God loves you and strengthens you. Will we use it? Let's pray. And Father, Lord, I pray that you energize us, you lead us, you grow us in this area. Take us. 
to see that you are our King of Kings, but that you love us. And that you've given us everything we need for the life you want to give. Put an intense desire in all of us, an energy inside of all of us to move towards you, to utilize what you've given, and to see you work in our life. We thank you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to worship. Go ahead and stand. Let God work in your life, in your heart, about what he's doing. If you need to pray with somebody, you can grab one of us to pray. But God has given us everything we need for the life that he wants to give us. Will we seek him for that life?